Welcome to the fourth episode of Season 3 of the Shoulda Backed It podcast. On a perfect spring afternoon, Behemoth carried 60kg to claim a second straight Group 1 in the Sir Rupert Clark Stakes at Caulfield. We also had a new Caulfield Cup favourite installed as Order of the Garter took out the MRC Foundation Cup to claim its place in the great race. Meanwhile in Sydney, Chris Waller continued his Group 1 dominance with Colding heading up a first four for the trainer in the George Main Stakes. Joining me to dissect all of this and much more from a big day of racing is the Herald Sun's number one tipster, Chris Venuccio. I noticed a couple of your best bets got up yesterday, Big V. You must be up and about today. Hello, Phil. Yes, it was a great day at Caulfield yesterday. And I think that's a bit of self-interest talking because there were mostly average fields on the day except for the you know, the last couple of races. So, yeah, it wasn't a standout day in terms of quality on the track, but it was a great betting day. So you had Behemoth in the big one there, mate. I know that you're a big fan of the horse. Claimed its second group one in a row, and uh, you were interested in some of the betting in that race. I heard. I mean, I think you got it at a pretty good price, but if you waited to the jump, you uh, ended up only getting sort of two ninety three dollars. It was just a incredible how the horse was just smashed late. I was surprised when the the tote odds came up and it was two ninety three dollars. And earlier in the day, you you were still able to get four eighty. It was just unbelievable. It just shows that, you know, weight is overweighted because, you know, the big players weren't afraid to back it at 60, ki- at 60 kilos. Yeah, it certainly had a, a big weight to carry and not many horses have been able to do the uh, the, uh, the, the, the double from the Memdies into into that race. So it was a big effort from Behemoth. But, yeah, I guess in, at the end of the day, the money was right because it, uh, it really did streak away from the field again late in that race. And... Look, if you were on it, you were pretty comfortable. It was always looking like it was in the right place in running. Uh, you know, there was a couple of decent horses in behind it, but perhaps not the strongest addition of the Sir Rupert Clark, but still a, a good effort. And, um, you know, uh, you'd be very happy as a, a behemoth uh, punter, I would have thought. I wasn't as comfortable as you might have been. I thought there was a few nervous moments at the 300 because he, he needed to he needed the gap to open and, he, and Craig Williams pulled to the outside there's a bit of room for him and he was able to, to sprint home I thought the tempo wasn't that the tempo was um, okay it's surprising because a lot of horses you know, particularly Streets of Avalon and Age of Chivalry they crossed from their wide barriers but there was a lot of horses reluctant to, to leave they were keen to go forward and then try and see if they could slot in somewhere but no one really wanted to take the initiative and they just let dollar for dollar lead so it was um behemoth was probably a bit further back than i thought he'd be but there wasn't much tempo he just needed the the gaps to open and and it was just too good i know that top weights don't have a great record in the sir rupert clark stakes but i think he just had to assess it just assess the field when i was looking when i was doing the form i was looking at behemoth good barrier was able to settle well, was find a good position, and you look at the rest of the field, and I was able to find more holes in the opposition than what I could with Behemoth. So that's why the sixty kilos really didn't bother me. Yeah, and I think probably I was a bit more comfortable than you because I didn't have my house deposit on it, Big V. That might have been the difference there. But I, uh, 
Uh, with the settling and the, and the pace of the race, I think there was a few jockeys concerned about the gusty winds there at Caulfield, and rather than putting their horse out and facing the breeze, wanted to find a bit of cover, which probably is why they ended up sort of running it a bit slower than they than you perhaps thought they would. But, yeah, good effort. It's, look, would have won no matter where it was yesterday. I think it was just better than that lot and a great effort from Behemoth. Just the other point I wanted to make with the race... Uh, when showmanship was scratched on the, I think it was the Tuesday because of injury, then Behemoth went into $3.50 all-in favourite. And it just shows, again, it's another example of just the all-in betting just being, a, just sucks in, just being a sucker for punters. Because when the final field market came out the next day, Behemoth opened $5. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not, not, not a good one to get involved in, and I'm certainly waiting for the day at the moment, not not getting too involved earlier in the week because so much can change, but also, yeah, I think you're not really missing out much on the odds at the moment either. So they're pretty tight in the margins on those all-in markets, so happy to happy to leave them for others. Well, one horse that I was pretty happy with, Big V up in Sydney there in the shorts with uh, quickly becoming favourite sprinter, I think. Sorry, San Anna Lane, but uh, Classique Legend, who gave him windburn there in the uh, in the shorts. And look, it's a new great flash, really, flashing home from, from well back and going past a pretty good field there. And what will be a, could be, it's uh, it's swan song before the Everest. Yeah, it was a, he's an improved horse this campaign, probably further back than they would have hoped for, but he did draw barrier 10 and he was just strong. I, I can't see the opposition beating him again. He, he'll be a, you know, really, he'll give a good sight in the Everest. I think last year finished about fifth or sixth. I think he'll go better this time round. Yeah, look, I think it's coming to about $8, which is, uh, I think, about the right price. Uh, in, inside of Geetra and a couple others now, actually. But, yeah, I, you, you couldn't be more impressed with that performance. You know, it, it had, it's had a little bit of an odd sort of year where it came back for that one run in, in the winter and, and then again uh, starting its campaign. But I uh, couldn't have come back any better than that and looks to be a real contender in that Everest field, particularly uh, if nature strips a little bit off or it is a particularly hard run race and just the one made up for the swoopers so definitely keeping classic legend in my uh, my black book moving forward because looks to be one of the the best sprinters going around now and i think with the everest there might be six slots still available you think bivouac will be the godolphin spot i thought his run was pretty good considering he was wide from barrier 12 so he he punched on and just um, held on for third. You look at some of the other runners, Eduardo and Dirty Work, and you think if you're a, a slot holder, would they be the type of horses that can finish well for you in an Everest? And, you know, I might be keen to just wait and maybe look elsewhere. Even though Santorana Lane is ages catching up with him, I'd still like to see him run first up, see if he runs well, because he looks like he's the type of horse now where he's probably only got two good runs in him. Mm. each prep before he really does fall off the cliff third up fourth up now and even friday night in the moya if trekking runs i'd be keen to maybe have a look at trekking as well because he ran third in the race last year and he beat geetra in the goodwood so he might be one that you know i think the everest winner has probably already been picked but trekking might be the one where he could finish a top three top four for those remaining slot holders still looking for their horse.
Yeah, certainly trekking. And I, I, just on your point on bivouac, I, I thought that was as, about as good as you'd expect bivouac first up in, in that race. And uh, as we saw with the new market last year, can peak later in its prep. And certainly at that 1,200 metre distance of the Everest, I think it'll be very well placed. And I think that's where they'll be setting it for its uh, for its grand final race. And we've seen when it when it has hit that grand final that it can go to another level. So if you are a bivouac follower, I wouldn't be at all disappointed with yesterday's effort. And I think it's in moving very, very well towards that race if it does actually start in it. Uh, obviously, a few slots still to be determined at this point. And... Uh, we'll uh, can talk about that in a little bit more detail later when I ask you about your updated tips for the big races this spring. But what I might do is move along to our shooter backed it's for the weekend, Big V. So for you, it was the last at Caulfield, Felicia, who uh, who ran really well and was well backed late, I believe, in, into that race and and uh, ended up beating the favourite uh, liar quite comfortably in the end. And yeah, a bit disappointed you weren't involved. Yeah, I had Lyra on top, and I just thought her price was a little bit too short. She got down as low as 215 and she started at 220 uh, i you know backing a couple of winners beforehand behemoth order of the Garda. i was keen to have a bit of a play with liar provided she was around that 280 three dollar price and so she was sure i thought no I'll forget about it i don't want to get involved but when you look at felicia i mean she's paid six dollars 650 and she was the second favorite in the race i mean that's each way all day and she's coming off a, a second behind showmanship, who would have been the favourite for the Sir Rupert Clark Stakes. You know, I, I was I was tossing whether I should have maybe just jump on Felicia, but in the end I just thought, oh, look, I had Lyra on top. I'll just stay out of the race because I just thought the favourite was too short. Yeah, that's right. And actually, it, it's a nice little segue into my should have sacked it, and I'll, I will get back to my should have backed it, but certainly my should have sacked it for the weekend was Lyra. And not because I didn't think it was a good chance. And, and look, it was pretty much the spruik horse of that whole meeting. Everyone was on it, particularly as a bit of a get-out stakes in the last there. But as you just said, it started way too short. I mean, I think it, I think it ended up starting around $2.15, which was just extraordinary. So um, I had it running through a number of my multis and just disappointed that it uh, looked really plain in the run. Disappointing. It hasn't won in a long time. And uh, probably one I'll avoid m- moving forward unless I can get a really good price about it because if you're getting $2, $3 about Liar, I, I wouldn't go in with any confidence moving forward. So, yeah, I-, I think that was an interesting race and an interesting race from the betting perspective as well when you see one of the horses get a real pile on in terms of uh, punting money. Well, she missed the start, which wouldn't have helped. But if you look at her closing sectionals, they were pretty decent um, and matched a lot of the horses that finished ahead of her. So, look, I'm not willing to jump off her, but you want a good price. And I suppose for horses that haven't won for a long time, it just becomes a habit where they just seem to find all sorts of trouble and just find a a new problem each start. And this time she just happened to to miss it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I should have backed it, just backtracking a bit, uh, was colding in the George May now. Uh, look, I'm obviously a big, very elegant fan, and I'm not disappointed I, I backed it. I think it will be looking for further and, and did a lot wrong in that race. I'm not sure it's really suited to being insider horses on the inside. I think it likes to, to come around the outside and, a, and have a little bit of give in the track. So very elegant was my certainly my bet of that particular race. But I was disappointed that I didn't just have a little spec on colding it around the $10. I mean, I think I called it in a, a podcast maybe last week or the week before that 
get it Sydney way going, get it over 1,600, and it, it was likely to have a really good run uh, uh, based on its last performance. So in a seven-horse horse field, getting $10 for last year's Golden Eagle winner, look, I'm a little bit disappointed I didn't just have a small little saver on it each way and uh, make some money out of that race. You had a couple of horses in that race that you wanted to follow. Colding was one, uh, Avilius and Dreamforce. I was going to ask you which one you, you got on, but it seems like you got on neither. Yeah, well, it's funny because uh, even though I, I was on Dreamforce last time, I didn't think it was going to win win yesterday, and Avilius didn't really cross my mind either, to be honest. I did think it ran really well first up, but probably looking for it to be in something a little bit easier than that for me to actually back it. And I, and I think the price, $5, $5.50, wasn't that enticing, whereas Colding, you know, at 10 bucks was uh, that's that's great odds, and, and I'm really disappointed I at least didn't have a little small each-way bet on it just because of the price, really, when you're sort of getting that compared to a very elegant at $2.20 and a Avilius at $5. So, yeah, it was the one I had had my eye on, but, yeah, sometimes you just don't press the button, Big V. I'll move along then again to your should have sacked it then, Big V, and that's also at Caulfield, and we'll look at the other end of the card, race one with Celestial Soul. Yeah, it was a tough day to find a sack horse because I, I picked a lot of seconds and thirds on the day, but the one exception was Celestial Soul in the first race. I had that one on top, and... Yeah, this is a tough race for me to to assess, and it opened a three dollar sixty favourite, coming off a um, a Mooney Valley race where he was a thirty one dollar shot, and then next start is a three sixty favourite. So, you know, the SP profiles I I really do like to have a look at as well, and no surprise I think in the end that he's drifted from three sixty to five dollars, and he's missed out on the placings, although he's only finished a length and a half behind the, the winner. I mean, he's essentially, he's gone from being a $31 shot two starts ago to being a $3.60 favourite. And I, my instinct at the time was, you know, maybe he's just been a bit overrated in the market. Yeah, look, to be honest, Big V, I had a look at that race and I, I spent about 10 seconds on it because I nothing's jumped off the page to me in terms of the horses themselves or, or any of the prices that I was getting. So definitely a watch race for me, that one. And I think I was uh, proven right there with, um, yeah, not probably not much, not much going right for your one there, Celestial Soul. But speaking of races where the horse did jump off the page, um, Order of the Garter, that was a that was a really good win there at Caulfield. And it booked its place in the, uh, in the Cox Plate, I'm sorry, in the Caulfield Cup based on that run and an impressive effort, but it's ended up moving to $8.50 favourite in the Caulfield Cup, Big V. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was eight fifty, but I think there's been a bit of a, a readjustment, so it's $11, but that's still... That's probably more uh, realistic. short, I think. Now, the first reference I wanted to make is you look at a horse like Jamaica that won this same race a couple of years ago, and went on to win the Caulfield Cup, but she ended up winning naturalism pretty dominantly by four lengths, and then next start ran second to a pretty hot Hartnell in the Turnbull Stakes. So she had the strong figures to suggest that she could win the Caulfield Cup, and she did carry a similar weight. She carried 52 that year. With Order of the Garda, I think it was a strong win. It was a strong tempo. I think the race was there for him to win. He was just in the perfect spot in the 1-1 and had to win that race. I would have liked to have seen him win it with a bit more authority as well. Although Ollie was maybe a bit soft on him late. 
but he did beat still Prince and um, Chapada by about a length and a half. And they're solid stayers, but whether that might be strong enough to win a Caulfield Cup, we'll wait and see. But I think there's been an overreaction with his price now. Oh, very much so. When I saw 8.50, even 11, to be honest, I was a bit surprised. I know it'll come in really well at the weights in the Caulfield Cup. Not that that will affect your your thinking, Big V, but I think it'll get about 50 kilos. So I can see why there was some interest. But I think it beat essentially a field of, no offence to them, but B-graders yesterday, really, from a Caulfield Cup perspective. I, I know that still Prince ran a nice race in the Melbourne Cup last year. But, yeah, to me, it didn't do enough. It wasn't dominant enough in that run for me to have it or install it as favourite. Having said that, I, I think it will be in the race, but I, there's definitely a couple I've got ahead of it when it comes to Caulfield Cup, just as you say, based on their performances at a higher level, I think. Just on order of the Garda, carrying 50 in the Cup, just because you have a low weight, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden that horse can find an extra three lengths or four lengths or whatever. I mean, you're still going to have the quality and the class to to win the race. So that's why some that's why I say sometimes weight is overrated, overrated because when you get a low weight, it doesn't essentially make you faster. It's just you're just carrying a a weight that probably prevents you from slowing you down if you're carrying a, a bigger weight. If you know what I mean? Well, yeah, you're right. And also at 50 kilos, it really does limit your pool of jockeys that might be available to ride on you as well. So you're sort of restricting yourself a little bit there. I'm not sure who they have got lined up, but I think it'll be probably a new jockey on that horse uh, at 50 kilos. So things like that, you know, they're little, little small negatives, I guess, even though the weight is low. But if you look at a horse like Master of Wine, for example, it's got 53 and a half, which, it, as you say, on a 500-kilo horse, that's not a big discrepancy at all. And then when the market came out for the Naturalism, Order of the Garter opened 420. I was pretty keen to just take that price. And on Saturday mid-afternoon, he was 3.30, so he was really crunched in. And... From that point, I wanted to see the big players come in and really step into the horse, and he started at $3. When I saw his price $3 before the jump, that really gave me a lot of confidence because sometimes when horses really get backed in early in the day, hours before the race, if the big players aren't interested and there's a drift, that sort of gets me a bit anxious before they jump. But to see that support really continue on until they jumped was really pleasing to see when you had your money on it. The other point I wanted to make on the race was shared ambition. And in the all-in market, $15 into $5.50 on the Tuesday. And unless you know, unless you've got the information that the horse is coming down to running the race, I don't know why people want to get involved in these all-in markets because a few people are just threw their money away. I mean, if you see a price that's over the odds... I'd rather wait till the final field and take half that price, knowing that that horse is in the field. And and shared ambition was ironically was accepted on the Wednesday, but then half an hour later it was scratched. So oh. it's just pointless just getting involved. If you see a price that just is way overs, just wait. All you have to do is just wait twenty four hours until the final field and then get on. It's just it's just a, a bugbear of mine. It just it's frustrating when you see things like that, but in this instance, I think it helped getting a, a good price for Order of the Garter as well. 
you're often not rewarded there for um, taking the early prices. But uh, one race I wanted to touch base with you on, Big V, because I, I think it does have some interesting form lines coming through now um, from races in Sydney, Melbourne, and, and even across there in Adelaide. But the, the 1,000 guineas field is... Um, and the, the favourites for that are starting to become a bit more clear. Now, we saw Dame Giselle and Hungry Heart go at it again yesterday with an almost identical result there over 1,400 metres. We had instant celebrity um, brain them, well, not brain them, but really put in a nice performance over at Morfittville last week. And, and, and at Caulfield yesterday, Aidens Field and Mozzie Monster running second and third there. So a few interesting form lines. Is there any early thoughts from your perspective about who you like in that race? Okay. Uh, just first, where I'll start off first is with um, Hungry Heart and Dame Giselle. So they'll go to the flight stakes next. The... The popular view is that Hungry Heart will just come out and, and beat Dame Giselle over 1,600. That's what they said over 14. Started favourite yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And if Dame Giselle could run the 1,600, she might just win again because she, you know she's going to get the a better position in the run. That's right. Hungry, Hungry Heart's going to get back in the field. You know, if they get a soft tempo and allows Dame Giselle to run out to 16, she'll be hard to run down. And the flight stakes, you, you usually get... A small field, so look, I'm not going to be diving into that race. Hungry Hearts two dollars twenty, two dollars forty. I can just let it go. So yeah, just I'm um, not going to get carried away there. Looking to the thousand guineas, I'm really keen on instant celebrity. I might be keen to back win the guineas prelude, but I am wary that she is stepping up from eleven hundred to fourteen hundred, which is something I don't like. We saw that in the the Rupert Clark with Windstorm stepping up for 1100 to 1400 and I just I'm always wary of those of that, that type of platform so but maybe the exception I might make an exception with instant celebrity because her win was just phenomenal at Morfordville I mean good horses just don't win from impossible positions like that it might only have been a short margin but very impressive I mean I think there might be a few doubts on some of the Phillies form in Melbourne. I mean, not Mozzie Mottenstar, Night Raid, Agreeable, Aidens Field. They're, you know, they're good horses, but whether they're stars, oh, I'm not so sure. I'm keen to go with the South Australian horse. Yeah, I think those horses, their key advantage, these Melbourne horses, is that they will have gone around Caulfield, and that can be, I mean, you know, it brings a lot of good horses unstuck going around Caulfield. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable with what you've said there, Big Van. Pretty in line with what my thoughts are in the race. But a lot can happen between now and then. There's more races to be had, and we'll see who who sort of really stamps themselves, I guess, moving forward. I mentioned agreeable. Looking at the market, she's eleven dollars for the thousand guineas, and I mean the perception, like hungry heart. The perception with Agreeable is that she'll get better over more distance. But I haven't seen anything from her that says, back me next time. So I think she's under the odds. Yeah, I think with Agreeable, it's one of those horses that always looks like it's finishing the race off well, but uh, probably should be because it's, you know, it settles back in the field and it doesn't have the give you the impression it's going to run over a field. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to steer, steer clear of Agreeable at this point as well. But what I'm not happy to steer clear of, Big V, is you going through your your seedings or your top top horses for the four big events that are coming up, the Everest, Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate and Melbourne Cup. Last week you gave us your top top pick in each of those races and I, 
I want you to go through it again. So last week you had Nature Strip on top for the Everest. Is that held, held strong or did Classique Legend change your views? No, I'll stick with Nature Strip for the time being. I think I'll wait and see how he goes next start before I might consider changing my mind. I'll still stick with Nature Strip. Makes sense. Caulfield Cup, you had Master of Wine last week. Yeah, I'm going to go with a change. I'm going to go with Anthony Van Dyke. During the week, we had a, more of a guide of which internationals are, are coming across. And the form of Anthony Van Dyke, you know, really sticks out. It beat Stradivarius last start. Actually, it's, it's finished ahead of Stradivarius the past two times he's met him. And the Caulfield Cup is a race where the top weights can win. So yeah. I'm going to... At the moment, I've got Anthony Van Dyke. All right. No, nice change there, Big V. What kind of price are you getting for the Anthony Van Dyke? You're getting $15, where I think before he was confirmed for quarantine, his price was $51. Oh, wow. I guess you're not to know. Numbers now. I reckon if you like him, I reckon on the day, you might get a similar price or even better. Mm. So in the Cox Plate, you had Russian Camelot. I'm... Not sure there'll be too many changes on that one, Big V? No, I'm going to stick with Russian Camelot. I don't think anything locally can beat him. It's up to whether there's a good raider that that comes comes for it. And the Melbourne Cup. Last week you had Surprise Baby, but I'm pretty sure you're going to mix that up this week. No, I'm going to change it. I've gone with Santiago, and yeah, his form looks pretty good as well. I think um, just from memory... He's got form around magical, and I think that's pretty good staying form in Europe. Yeah, it also uh, recently beat Tiger Moth, who is also in the market for the Melbourne Cup and, and likely to participate in the event. So certainly some good form there, and I think you're getting around $15 it as well for the Melbourne well, yeah. Cup, yeah. I mean, he might be the one where when, people, when you get the, the final fields, he might be the one that really does come in, um, short, really shortens closer to the race so you know $15 is maybe not a bad price now but you know again I, I like waiting until final fields yeah Melbourne Cup as was discussed before you can usually get as good a price if not better on the day around most horses so I, th- I think I saw a surprise baby was $9 which seems massive unders at this point yeah I think the market will gravitate towards you know the local hope and you know surprise baby is a popular horse I mean I can see you know, on Cup Day itself, Surprise Baby, you know, he's a seven dollar favourite, and so that means you're at least going to get, you know, at least ten dollars plus for a horse like Santiago if you like him. Now, Big V, um, didn't have a question last week, but we have had a question come through, a listener question come through uh, on Twitter from from Cameron, and uh, I'm hoping that you might be able to help us out with this one, Big V. It's a, it's a, a betting, a punting question. Cameron asks, keen to get your thoughts on the same race multi-bet type. Is it something we should be considering this spring? Big V, is it something you've dabbled in? No, and I don't think I will. <laughs> Why I'm is that? Pick, I'm just happy to pick a winner. I think there'd be nothing worse than finding the winner and you get rolled because a horse you, another horse you've picked to run top three, top four misses out. So, no, not for me. I'm just happy to stick with you know, a win bet. Uh, a lot of people might have success with it, but no, I'll, I'll just stick to the, you know, keep it simple. 
Yeah, and, and likewise with you, Big V, I'm very much a win bet type person. I, I, I even bet rarely go each way unless I'm getting a, a really good price. But I guess if you like a couple horses in a race and you, or you're really keen on one and you, you think another one's going to run well, there's probably an argument for having a same race multi-bet type. I think it probably follows the trend of getting a little bit more price certainty, Big V. So if you do want to have a couple horses to finish 1-2 or... One two three or one two three four. Rather than having a Quinella trifecta first four, you can you can actually know what price you're going to get straight up, which I guess is a a, a useful thing for some punters. So I guess that's a useful way of some punters would be using it. I guess it just adds another flexi- more flexibility to Big V. If you do like a couple in a race to finish in the top four. Well, that's the thing. Well, if you like five horses to finish in the top four, you can't have the same game multi because one of those horses can't finish in the top four. So that's where you, you're putting that trifecta of first four. But I don't know too well, you know, whether it's better, you get a better return compared to a trifecta or a first four. But I mean, if you like three horses, four horses in the race, I'd probably just go with the simple trifecta first four betting options. Uh, as would I be. I actually did a little bit of a, a mock of this uh, just before the podcast. We got Ballarat races today and I had a look at race six and, I uh, put the first four horses in the market in a you know in in the top to finish top four in the same race multi, and then I had a look at the price that we got for the first four, and it ended up being uh, those first four horses, which kind of makes me a bit disappointed I didn't put the bet on Big V. But the the point was when I did the maths and crunched the numbers, basically you were getting the same price for the first four as you would have got if you had boxed them all in a same race multi. So. I guess the only advantage there, of course, is that you know what price you're getting from the start, but ultimately it didn't really make much difference. Now, that's one race, so it's certainly not a, a sample size, but I guess uh, there's going to be fluctuations in, in how that works. I guess one area that I wouldn't mind using at Big V is Quinellas. It always frustrates me, Quinellas, when you don't know what price you're going to get and then you, you end up getting the price and it's $3.50 for the Quinella. I kind of like the idea of having certainty around my Quinella prices. So that's one area I would consider a, a same race multi. I suppose going by your Ballarat example, you, prob- you probably might get a, a better dividend if you had the winner. If you picked the winner to win and then you had the other horses to place in your multi, that probably might turn out as a better result. But then again, you've got to get the winner right. Well, if you did that, though, Big V, and you'd increase your flexi amount as well, so you'd win more in the first four. So I'm not sure it would make any difference, to be honest. I think same race multis are really for if you have two horses in a race that you like and you can put them both to finish fourth or have one to win and one to to roam sort of as a second, third or fourth. But I guess if you are, uh, you know, if you are in that situation, it's not a bad thing to play around with and see if you can extract some value. But... Like all things, mate, and all betting, the um, the corporates are running a pretty tight ship, and they've got pretty fine margins in a lot of these bets. So I'm not fi- sure you're going to find extra value out of a same race multi. Put it that way. Anyway, Big V, we might move on now. Keen to hear uh, who you're looking to follow out of this meeting. Uh, we discussed uh, before a few of the, the the good runs of the day, but is there any horses that are really standing out for you moving forward? Yeah, not really from Saturday's meeting. I suppose I want to have a look at Madame Rouge again. I thought she was pretty good in the Surupacuck Stakes and she ran some really quick sectionals. I like to see her back in a, a mare's race, 1,200. Maybe the last race of the day might have been the more suitable race for her. 
and Star of the Seas as well. Uh, I thought that ran well again, another second. Could be well in the Epson. It's uh, getting a bit of a habit of finishing second in these Group 1s, isn't it? Yeah, be, um, I think I heard Chris Wallace say he might send him to Perth for the railway. If he does that, I think he's a, an ideal horse for a, a race like that. So, yeah, if not the Epsom, if, then maybe we'll, we'll stick with him for Perth. And I know one of your horses that you're going to pick for your horses to follow, um, this horse that's going to take it on in the Kosciuszko front page, yeah, maybe the, the jockey probably erred in not leading and taking control of the race. So I'm keen to see um, front page again. See how he goes. I think he's a lot better horse than what he showed. Yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't be too worried about Front Page's performance. I think it was a pretty good first up effort. But yeah, you're right. The uh, the the horse that I really liked out of the weekend, and it's no surprise, it started the dollar eighty five. So up in Sydney, there was it's me in the second. Uh, you don't see uh, sort of closing sectionals like that too often. It was really dominant uh, the way it went past them. I saw some comparisons even. Two winks in the, in the uh, on Twitter, but I, I mean people always over exaggerate. But just it just really did go past that field with ease. So it's me. Looks like a good Kosciuszko horse. You're probably not going to get a great price though, so it might not be um, too exciting for too many punters. But definitely was a, a one that you'd want to keep an eye on that one. Well, three fifty at the moment for the Kosciuszko. So that's not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, front page is four four fifty. So yeah, those. Because you're going to have two really good horses in that race and it's going to be a big field, you probably might get a, a decent price for either one if you like, whoever, which one you like. I mean, obviously, it's me. I mean, put it in perspective, it did beat a highway field, but mm. it ran looked like it ran really good time in sectionals. And it's in the Kosciuszko, you're probably going to get, you know, a race where you're going to get a similar lack of pressure from the, the opposition. So... Uh, yeah, I think at the moment I've got him as top seed for the Kosciuszko ahead of front page. But uh, we'll wait and see closer to the day and decide which way we're going to go. Mate, you can't be bringing more races into this top seed business. <laughs> you can't You can't have everyone. No, no, it's good, yeah, Big no, B. I have, a, a, a top, I have my horse that's a top seed. And then as they get closer to that grand final, in the lead-up races, you know, horses show improvement and sometimes other horses regress and those seedings can change. So, you know, if we see Front Page come out, have another run before the Kosciuszko and just brains them, you know, then it changes the, the complexion. Yeah, absolutely. And we've even seen with your uh, your your four main bets for the for the spring how they've changed in a week and not much has actually changed. So, you know, plenty can happen. Uh, now, Big V, we wanted just to finish on our sports betting uh, segment, our Mugs Guide to Sports Betting. I had a bit yeah. of feedback about my uh, EPL comments last uh, week, as did you, Big V. You gave us some dodgy advice <laughs> last week. Six out of the eight away teams ended up winning, but order was restored in some way on match day two last night with um, three out of the four home teams getting up. Manchester United was probably the surprise getting beat at home to Crystal Palace. Yeah, that's probably one you would have locked in as uh, as a bit of a certainty for Man United. But yeah, I did have a bit of egg on my face there, mate, with all the uh, all the away teams managing to get the job done, including Everton over my mob Spurs. So I, I do think that's just an aberration, and we'll see order restored, as you say, over the season. But it could also go to that point I made last week that just with 
no crowd. So I wonder what impact that does have on the players and, and the results in some of these matches. Yeah, and I think a couple of those teams last week, the the promoted teams were playing at home, and I don't know about the quality about them. West Brom's given up eight goals in the first two matches, so they could be, you know, good teams will be getting points off them at home unless there's a good team. And, you know, Arsenal beating Fulham, you know, they scored three past them and Arsenal's won again. So, you know, Arsenal, you know, although they were pretty disappointing last season, you know, they're, they're a top six team against the relegation type sides. You know, they should be winning on the road. Yeah, they look to have started really well, Arsenal, actually, with their first two first two wins. Now, what I wanted to just touch base with you on, though, Big V, is, uh, you know, we're, we're at a point where futures betting is, is, you know, you've just mentioned all-in markets and you don't like them, but, you know, we're coming up to footy finals and, you know, there's a few interesting markets and I think one of the ones that we've been talking about collectively recently is the AFL Premiership market where we've got Richmond favourite at about $3.40 and I know your mob are in there at around 7 or $8, but what have you made of the uh, AFL Premiership betting? Is it something you, you want to have a look at? Well, I think uh, Richmond looks a good bet at three fifty. I find that I, I think they're going to be very hard to beat. I mean, you look at. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Lions fan. I think even though Brisbane hasn't lost since they um, they've won every game since they lost to Richmond in I think in about round ten. So they're one I think seven or eight in a row. I think they had a buy there. I'm not convinced about them as a premiership contender. I mean, they've. The teams have beaten... I mean, they beat North Melbourne by a point. They just got over the line against Carlton, although, you know, they probably didn't want to push themselves too hard before the finals. You know, they got the job done against Sydney. I mean, they're just... They're beating the teams that they should be beating, but they're not really putting them away like you would as, you know, a top premiership contender. But I don't know. I just think the, the bottom four in the eight this year isn't as strong as last year. I just... Yeah, I just um, I just think Richmond stands out, and there's a lot of question marks with the opposition. Yeah, I actually disagree with you slightly there, Big V. I'm not saying Richmond won't win the premiership, and you'd be silly to do that at this point, given their recent history. But I think three dollars forty at this point of the year is pretty average, to be honest. I mean, I think they'll. You know, in a game against Brisbane at home, for example, if that is the first final, you're probably not going to get much better than $1.60, $1.70 just in that match. And they won't have the luxury of, of, you know, hosting finals at the MCG or even playing a final at the MCG, including the grand final this year. So I think that will throw up a few interesting results through these finals and, and make for a more even contest, particularly where you do have interstate teams playing them. So... I wouldn't be taking the three dollars forty. I think there's, if you are looking at that market, there's there's better value around, uh, you know, even even teams like Port Adelaide who who are likely to get two home finals through that series, and um, there's a few question marks around them. But if you do get your two home finals and get into a grand final, that's a that's a pretty good step forward. So, yeah, I wouldn't be jumping or getting excited about three dollars forty Richmond. Yeah, we'll agree to disagree. I think. Richmond in Queensland isn't such a problem for them. They haven't lost at Metricon this year, and I think I heard they haven't lost at the Gabba since 2004 or something like that. So they've got um, they've got Brisbane's measure where, wherever they play them. And you look at West Coast and Collingwood; they're injury ravaged. You know, I think it's going to be tough for them at their best. You know, they're contenders, but I think they've got 
uh, too many injuries and, and I'm not convinced about St Kilda and the Bulldogs as well. But I think the top four is pretty solid. I just think it's that bottom four of the eight that has, has a lot of question marks. Yeah, that's right. I hope you're wrong about Collingwood there, mate. I think they'll get a few players back, perhaps for the finals, and maybe do a little bit of damage, but very, very challenging, as you say, from the bottom four of the eight. But uh, that's uh, a wrap for the show this week on the Should Have Backed podcast. As, I've always, as I say every week, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, this week, Big V, you're the Big V multi. Your two best bets both got up, and I do know some people that had a Big big V multi this week and were very happy with the result that you were able to help them uh, achieve. So jump on there on a Saturday morning and you'll get Big V's tips. And as Cam did this week, uh, please jump on and ask us any questions that you might have for the podcast, and we're happy to answer those as well. So good to speak to you again, Big V. It's, we're getting closer to lockdown, off. mate. Uh, there's some great racing this week. We've got Flemington on Wednesday. Yes. Which is a, a rare, me- rare midweek meeting at Flemington. You've got the Derby and the Oaks Trial, so they're the t- two key races to look out for. Then you've got Friday night racing starting again with the Valley. I think we forget that this is supposed to be grand final weekend as well. <laughs> yep. Which is... So you've got the Moyer Stakes on the Friday night and then you've got some great racing at Caulfield. So a lot of racing to watch. Plenty to keep us interested, Big V, and plenty to talk about next week when we return. Is there anything, any final tips that you want to give us in any of those races, Big V, or are we just enjoying watching them? I think enjoy watching them. Anders is a short favourite for the Moyer. I mean, for jumps and gets them a soft lead, should win. I think Trekking's the one to look out for in that race. Maybe get a and never a spot and he, he looks like a good price at the moment at $8 so he might Ooh, be good each way go that is good and Caulfield I'll just wait and see what the fields are like I'm, as I mentioned earlier I'm keen on instant celebrity and I hope she draws a good gate because I reckon she might be a, a good bet as well and if you are interested in Big V's tips, he always puts them in the, in the Herald Sun on the Saturday, and you'll probably be doing the Flemington meeting on Wednesday as well, I imagine, Big V. So if you are wanting to see who you've got on top, and I know you're doing well at the moment with the tipping Big V, so, uh, yeah, jump on that, listeners. But thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, those of us in Melbourne, stay safe and, you know, continue to push through this uh, lockdown. All the best, and, uh, you know, three big meetings. So good luck on the punt.